Hello and welcome to Bible Truth Feed. Life after death, is it really possible? Is it just something that's been made up by people who are insecure about facing death over the centuries? Is it really just a a means of escapism? What happens when we die? The Bible teaches that we we die. So what does that actually mean? Does it mean we ascend into heaven? Perhaps we are reincarnated in a different form? Well, those ideas and and many like them are prevalent amongst many religious people and non-religious people. Some just believe that once we're done here on earth, that's it. We return to the earth and stay there for eternity. But the Bible teaches neither of those things. But instead it teaches us the doctrine of resurrection. Now that may come as a surprise. That, just like Jesus died and was raised to life three days later, so too can we be raised to life but when Jesus returns to the earth to raise those who have been faithful to his words and his commandments. Truly, what a wonderful hope that is. So let's listen to this podcast. It's by Brother Jonathan Evans from the Rugby Christadelphian Ecclesia. It's about 36 minutes long um, and he makes some really interesting points that it's well worth us to consider. So, as always, if you've got any comments or questions, please leave them for us. Or if you'd like to leave us a voice message, please do so by clicking on the Leave Message button. Enjoy the podcast. Bye. If we follow the news recently over the last 18 months, we've probably grown accustomed to seeing statistics, tables, graphs like this. And over, as we've said, 18 months or so now, we've grown accustomed to this. And I'm sure, particularly when we concern ourselves with the ongoing pandemic, many of us may have been directly or indirectly affected by the consequences of it. And although it's played a major part in our lives, as we say, we are all too aware that sadly, um, this is just one form of death that takes place. Across a lifetime, we know that we will lose friends and loved ones to death, um, and we ourselves will eventually die also. Now, I realise that that is potentially a very morbid way to begin a talk. And yet, what we want to show this evening is that the Bible offers a glorious hope for after death. And we would like to show from the Bible that we as Christelphians follow the inspired word of God, that it really is possible to have a hope of living after death. And so my intention then is to outline these first two questions. Well, what is life and what is death? I'm going to go back to the start of our Bibles to Genesis for this. In Genesis chapter 1, we read of the creation account And then in chapter 2, we read of God forming man himself. Some of the verses are on the screen, but please feel free to turn them up with your Bibles. And the Lord God formed man 
of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. Genesis 2 and verse 7. And in many ways we are presented there quite a simple formula. Simple for us to read perhaps but obviously not to to perform. Life being the dust of the ground plus the breath of life, become man becoming a living soul, that word creature, a word that's used throughout Genesis chapter 1, creature or soul. And yet in the account of Genesis, in Genesis chapter 2, particularly with the creation of man, we may be familiar that man was given a command. Verse 16 of chapter 2 And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. And then we flick over to chapter 3, and we see from verse 4, the serpent is introduced. The serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die, for God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. We see the sorry state, don't we, of man's disobedience here in Genesis chapter 3. The breaking of the commandments of God. We might use the term sin to reflect this disobedience. And again, in many ways, it presents to us a, a simple story of partaking of fruit in a garden where they were told not to, and yet we know, don't we, that this was a literal account, and the consequence of this action was huge. The consequence being, chapter 3, in amongst other things, verse 19 of chapter 3, in the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, till thou return unto the ground, for out of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. And so this disobedience, or sin, leads to the process of dying. And that process has passed upon all men and women since. Ezekiel 18, later on in the Bible, would say, The soul that sinneth, it shall die. Not immediately, but it leads each person to eventually cease. And again, we go back to our formula of when the breath departs, all that will be left is the dust of the ground, a return to the dust from whence man was made. And then we read of this process of death throughout the scriptures. Just a couple of verses to highlight what we're talking about. Here's one from Ecclesiastes chapter 3. For that which befalleth the sons of men befalleth beasts, even one thing befalleth them, 
As the one dieth, so dieth the other. Yea, they have all one breath. So that a man hath no preeminence above a beast, for all is vanity. All go unto one place, all are of the dust, and all turn to dust again. The process of returning to dust there. There's also an interesting verse, I believe, in the Psalms, which say, While I live, will I praise the Lord. I will sing praises unto my God while I have any being. Put not your trust in princes, nor in the Son of Man, in whom there is no help. His breath goeth forth. He returneth to his breath. In that very day his thoughts perish. Sorry, I was just checking the blue there. I think that's one I've forgotten to change from earlier in the middle there. And we read that verse, and it's an interesting verse, because it presents a challenge at the very beginning. While I live, will I praise the Lord? Now, we have just said that the process of sin leads to death for all men. And yet, there is a challenge to praise the Lord while one lives. And we may ask the question, well, why bother? If we are all going to die and return to the dust, why bother praising a Lord if death is final? Uh, And we will come back to that as we go through the talk. I think it would be fair to say that for many, the idea of death being final is why they reject uh, religion altogether. Their view is that death is the end and therefore why bother having a religion or following a faith? And so we ask the question then, well, is death really the end? put a few pictures there on the screen to reflect perhaps some of the images that people may believe. Maybe it is the grave. Maybe that is where we all finally end up. There are differing views across the main religions of soul, heaven and hell going, reincarnation, a changing to a state of enlightenment, and again perhaps thinking about the soul, where a soul might live on past death. And perhaps these are discussed from time to time. But what we want to present now is the mechanism that is used in Scripture. What is presented to us as evidence in the Bible of what takes place after we die? And that mechanism is resurrection. We may think that resurrection perhaps is limited to the Lord Jesus, knowing that he died and rose from the grave. Actually, there are a number who are brought back to life. And just as man was first created from the dust of the ground, so that dust of those who have died can be brought back to life. And I've put the Greek word up, it's anastasis, the word for resurrection used in the New Testament. It means to stand again or to rise up, a raising. That's what this word resurrection is. I'm sure I've probably missed some, but on the screen I've put a number of resurrections that are recorded in the scriptures for us. Again, we might think they are limited to the New Testament. They are not. There are resurrections presented to us in the Old Testament through the prophets of Elijah and Elisha. 
In the Gospels, we see the Lord Jesus perform resurrections himself. And of course, he too, as we have already mentioned, was raised from the dead. And there are also raising of the dead in the Acts of the Apostles, when the Apostles are given the Holy Spirit gifts. And I think it's important that we examine some of these to show these as evidence of why we believe a resurrection can and will take place. So come with me, if you would, to 1 Kings 17. We can't go into the details and the specifics of each resurrection, but just point out and show that they did take place and what the consequence of it was. So in 1 Kings 17, verse 1, we are introduced to the prophet Elijah the Tishbite. Then a miracle is performed at the start of the chapter, but we want to go down to verse 17. It came to pass after these things that the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, fell sick. And his sickness was so sore that there was no breath left in him. There's a relating back to the words of Genesis there, no breath left in him. And she said unto Elijah, What have I to do with thee, O thou man of God? Art thou come unto me to call my sin to remembrance and to slay my son? And he said unto her, Give me thy son. And he took him out of her bosom and carried him into a loft where he abode and laid him upon his own bed. And he cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord my God, hast thou also brought evil upon the widow with whom I sojourn by slaying her son? And he stretched himself upon the child three times and cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord my God, I pray thee, let this child's soul come into him again. And the Lord heard the voice of Elijah and the soul of the child came into him again and he revived. And Elijah took the child and brought him down out of the chamber into the house and delivered him into the mother. And Elijah said, See, thy son liveth. And then we just want to note the woman's reaction. And the woman said to Elijah, Now by this I know that thou art a man of God, and that the word of the Lord in thy mouth is truth. You see, the purpose of the raising, the raising of this son, was to give the widow woman the faith and belief that Elijah was a man God. Come with me to Luke chapter 7. We'll just look at a couple of more of these afterwards, but we just want to show the, the idea, the principle of a raising, a resurrection, a bringing back to life. Verse 11 of Luke chapter 7. And it came to pass the day after that he went into a city called Nain, and many of his disciples went with him, and much people. Now when he came nigh to the gate of the city, behold, there was a dead man carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. Now we don't have time to go into it, but it's just interesting to note we have another son of a widow woman. And much people of the city was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said unto her, Weep not. And he came and touched the bier, and they that bare him stood still. And he said, Young man, I say unto thee, Arise. 
and he that was dead sat up and began to speak and he delivered him to his mother and then again let's note the reaction of the people and there came a fear on all and they glorified God saying that a great prophet is risen up among us and that God hath visited his people And so we see once more that this raising of the dead enabled God to be glorified, to show and demonstrate the power of God that he could raise the dead and bring them back to life. Let's take a look at Lazarus, John chapter 11. We will be coming back to the Lazarus account a bit later on, so we won't go too much into the detail. But we read in verse 1 of John chapter 11, Now a certain man was sick, named Lazarus. And then in verse 14, we see Jesus saying plainly, Lazarus is dead. So we see the significance that Lazarus had died. But let's go to verse 41. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead, Lazarus, was laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. And I knew that thou hearest me always. But because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he thus had spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus saith unto them, Loose him, and let him go. Then many of the Jews which came to Mary, and had had seen the things which Jesus did, believed on him. But some, some of them went their own ways to the Pharisees, and told them what things Jesus had done. You see, again, the miracle was performed to enable belief. That they may see the power demonstrated by those, Jesus, performing the miracle. The last one, we we needn't turn to this one, because I think we probably have the idea. Tabitha is raised in Acts in chapter 9. And at the end of that account, we read... Peter, he gave her his hand and lifted her up, and when he had called the saints and widows, presented her alive, and it was known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. You see, it enabled belief on those who saw the miracle performed. And so with all these examples, just a few that we've seen, Doubtless the person that was raised benefited the most from the raising, the miracle performed. But as we have tried to show, it gave belief to those who witnessed and saw the miracle that was performed. They saw God's power demonstrated. It provided them with faith and belief. And more than that, though, it pointed to the greatest resurrection of all. The death of a sinless man. One who did not disobey. One who did not sin in his life. The Lord Jesus. It was in Jesus whom God raised from the dead. That others may believe also. 
And this is the power of the gospel message. This was the good news that was taught. And we can read, can't we, of the gospel accounts of the resurrection. But what I would like us to do is turn to our reading in Acts and chapter 2. Because this is after Jesus has been raised from the dead. In Acts and chapter 1, he has ascended up to his father in heaven, Acts 1 verse 11. In Acts chapter 2, it is Pentecost and Holy Spirit gifts are given to the apostles. And in Acts and chapter 2, as we read, it was Peter's speech now. This was his speech to the people. And we had that reading read because of the emphasis that is placed on the raising of Jesus back to life, raised from the dead. And so, if you can, let's follow this down. There are certain examples just to illustrate what we're talking about. Acts chapter 2, verse 24, in Peter's speech, we read, Whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death. Verse 27, Because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Verse 30, That he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne and it continues verse 31 the resurrection of Christ that his soul was not left in hell neither his soul did see corruption verse 32 this Jesus hath God raised up whereof we are all witnesses verse 36 therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom ye have crucified both Lord and Christ again a reference to resurrection but it's not just this speech it continues all the way through the acts of the apostles this idea i think i've lost my screen here for a moment there it is it continues all the way through the start of the book of acts just follow some of the other occasions in further speeches acts 3 verse 14 but ye denied the holy one and the just And desired a murderer to be granted unto you, and killed the prince of life, whom God hath raised from the dead. Acts 4 and verse 2. Being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. Acts 4 and verse 10. Be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead. There are many others as you go through the book of Acts. This was the message that they were teaching to those who would hear that indeed Jesus was raised from the dead. And it was having belief in this message that they were witnessing too. This was the gospel that they were teaching. And that's the same gospel message that has come to us. And so we have a contrast. As we said at the start, we have Adam. We had his disobedience sin it led to death but then the gospel message was preached through the apostles of the lord jesus christ one who was obedient 
one who did no sin, one who can give life. What do we mean? A couple of references to support what we're saying. 1 Corinthians 15. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the firstfruits of them that slept. For since by man Adam came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. It's interesting, we have this idea of being in Christ mentioned, and we might want to explore what that means. If we follow the ways of disobedience of Adam, we die. But being in Christ, we are told that we can be made alive. Another verse, Romans 6. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so we have the idea there of being in Christ tied with the idea of eternal life. We'll expand upon that in a moment. But come back with me, if you would, to the account of Lazarus in John 11. We said we'd bring out a few more thoughts in that chapter. Because in John chapter 11, I want to just close our remarks this evening by looking at three principles that are brought out in this chapter. There are many others, but we want to just think of three and try and show them elsewhere in scripture. Let's explain what I mean then. So, first of all, the idea that death refers to a sleep. Now, that's an interesting idea if we follow the pattern of resurrection. Uh, just, let's just read it. Uh, John 11, verse 11. Uh, yes, verse 11. These things said he, and after that he saith unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth. But I go... Jesus, that I may awake him out of sleep. Then said his disciples, Lord, if he sleep, he shall do well. Howbeit Jesus spake of his death, but they thought that he had spoken of taking of rest in sleep. Then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And so Jesus uses this idea of sleep as a reference to death. We'll expand upon that point. The second is that Martha believed in something that was called the resurrection of the last day. Just go to verse 20 of John 11. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary sat still in the house. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. Jesus saith unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. Martha said unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And then Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. And so Martha already has a belief in something that's called the resurrection at the last day. And we'll expand upon that. And then as we just started reading from verse 25... Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, 
Though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die, believest thou this. And that's the final point we want to examine. That belief in Christ, who himself describes as the resurrection and the life, can give life. And so, as I say, we'll take these three points and hopefully we'll start bringing our thoughts to a close by expanding what these ideas mean. Looking at this idea of resurrection as it is presented to us in scripture. So, the idea that death equals sleep. This term is used actually throughout the Gospels. Jesus uses it on a few occasions. Here it is in Luke 8 in another resurrection. While he yet spake, there cometh one from the ruler of the synagogue's house, saying to him, Thy daughter is dead, trouble not the master. But when Jesus heard it, he answered him, saying, Fear not, believe only, and she shall be made whole. And all wept and bewailed, but he said, Weep not, she is not dead, but sleepeth. You actually find this used throughout the Gospels of those who have died as a term for sleeping. In the occasion of Acts 9, again with Tabitha, we have it that she opened her eyes and when she saw Peter, she sat up. And in many ways, this idea of sleep is a a perfect analogy of what death is like, isn't it? The idea of when we put our heads on our pillows at night, in many ways it's a small principle of what death is. That if we are raised from the dead, we raise in the morning to a new day. But we don't really know what's happened through the night unless we're we're up for whatever reason. But we see the principle. We don't know what takes place through the night, just like in death. And that's what Jesus is saying when he uses the term sleep for death. And we go back to that reference we saw in 1 Corinthians 15. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the firstfruits of them that slept the sleep of death. What about this idea of the resurrection at the last day? Martha believed in it, but what does it mean? What was she referring to? Well, a couple of verses that might support our understanding of what this might mean. Acts 17 and verse 30. It tells us that the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. Because he hath appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men, in that he hath raised him from the dead. A further reference in the Acts of the Apostles to the raising of the Lord Jesus, the one who will judge the world in righteousness. Now, of course, it doesn't say that that's the resurrection of the last day. But we're forming a picture of what it means. There will come a point where the world will be judged in righteousness by the Lord Jesus. It is not just a a New Testament idea. Daniel speaks of similar things. Daniel 12 and verse 2. And many of them that sleep. Notice sleep. In the dust of the earth 
shall awake, son to everlasting life, and son to shame and everlasting contempt. And it develops the concept that not all who are raised from the dead will remain alive. It describes for us that judgment that we just saw in Acts. Some of them to everlasting life, some as described to everlasting contempt. And again, we see similar words, John chapter 5. The hour is coming in the which all that are in the graves shall hear his voice and shall come forth. They that have done good unto the resurrection of life and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. A raising back to life, to a judgment, those who have done good and those who have done evil. And First Thessalonians 4. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which hope have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. Belief. There again, belief that Jesus rose from the dead. And we see again the idea connected with the sleep of death. And then finally, in this section, John 6. And this is the Father's will, which hath sent me, that of all that which he hath given me I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. And so hopefully we're seeing the tying together, the raising up of resurrection with that of judgment when Christ will return to the earth. Uh, which we saw from Acts chapter 1. And so our final point, he that believeth in me. I think I tried to highlight it in green in the verses. And we saw about belief in the cases of all the other resurrections. Belief was required. And the apostles taught the gospel that belief, that Jesus rose from the dead. And just as each resurrection gave belief to those who witnessed it, so now, hearing the gospel message, just as we can now, here in 2021, that this is the belief, the gospel message shared with you and me. And you remember, we read that verse in Psalm 146 at the start of our talk. We said... While I live, will I praise the Lord. Well, hopefully we now have seen why. That life is the time to determine whether we do good or evil. And that will be determined when Jesus returns to judge the world. But this idea of belief. John 3. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Mark 16, he that believeth and is baptised shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And we speak of baptism here on many occasions on the platform here. 
about baptism following up the need for belief. And really that idea of baptism is what it means to be in Jesus or to be in Christ. But this is our last reference. Come with me to Acts in chapter 2. So we had our reading from Acts chapter 2. We tried to illustrate how Peter, in his speech to those who would hear, spoke of the raising of the Lord Jesus back to life. And then what was the result of that speech in Acts and chapter 2? Well, let's read the verses. Acts 2, verse 37 and 38. Now, when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? And many of us in this room were in that position once also, weren't we? What shall we do? And Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so that lesson applies to each and every one of us. That is the call of the gospel and the hope of life after we die. Why? So that when Jesus returns to the earth, as we've tried to show, there will be a judgment. Those that have died and sleep in Christ will be raised to that judgment, some to everlasting life and some to everlasting contempt. But how will we respond to that call? And that's the decision for us to make now.